oh, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, checking the baby every five minutes to make sure he's still breathing, you know, or um, moving him to make sure I can feel his chest breathe, you know, move up and down. Um, I couldn't concentrate. I was very irritable. Um, I had mood swings. I isolated myself from everybody too because I didn't know what was going on and I'd rather just be by myself. Um, and then the OCD part really came in with intrusive thoughts. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. This podcast is a community for melanated queens who are ready to prioritize holistic self-care as the ultimate form of self-love. My name is Toya, and I'm extremely passionate about helping you take back your crown and live your best life. With each discussion, I will take you along my own personal journey to self-love, as well as feature guests that will give you practical self-care tips for your mental, physical, spiritual, and financial well-being. Are you ready to invest and thrive in your own journey to happiness and wholeness? Then let's get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. My name is Toya, and I am your host. Thank you all for tuning in again today. Um, this month during April, we've been focusing on moms and self-care. And so to wrap up this month's series, we'll be talking about self-care after birth, prenatal and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. So to have this conversation, I invited Yana on with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you for having me. No problem. And so before we kind of get into um, this conversation, I just wanted you to have the opportunity to introduce yourself. So can you tell us a bit about you? Yes. Hi, everybody. So my name is Takiana uh, Myers McGee. Uh, I go by Yana. I'm a licensed therapist in the state of Illinois. I am training. Well, I went through training to be a doula. So now I'm going through certification for that. Um, I have an organization called She3, which stands for She Works, She Speaks, She Conquers, She's You, and that just focuses on women empowerment um, and personal development and just being more aware of who we are and changing the things we don't want to change to, to live a healthy and uh, loving life, the life that we want to live. Great. And so what prompted you to, to start your organization, She3? So I... I have been not playing around with it, but um, it sounds so corny, but back in 2000, I think in 13 or 14, um, Jada Pickett did her first red table talk, but it wasn't really the red table talk. It was a Mother's Day special. And it was her, her mom and her daughter um, around, of course, the red table. And it was just supposed to be um, just for that Mother's Day. And I really appreciated the conversations that they had at the table. And um, I started to focus on mother-daughter relationships. I was doing a conference for that and it got canceled due to the pandemic. And so I'm just waiting for the right time to um, do that again. But that inspired me and She3 um, because I'm very passionate about women. I'm very passionate about the mother-daughter relationship. Um, finding any way to make that better and a better experience for um, mothers and their daughters or, you know, women who are going to become mothers who want to do things differently than what was done when they were raised. Um, so that's really how it came about. 
Okay. And so I know that your organization is focused on women. And today we'll be talking about specifically um, moms and soon to be moms and mood and anxiety disorders. And so um, tying it back to your organization, does your organization provide support for mothers who have been diagnosed with mood and anxiety disorders? Um, no, not at this time. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, individual, no, clinically licensed. And what that means is able to work on your own. Mm-hmm. So I'm licensed as a therapist and practice therapy, but as far as my own organization, um, I'm waiting to take my final exam mm-hmm. um, this summer so that that can be something I can offer when I start my private practice. This okay, fall. great. Looking forward to it. So I, I definitely um, hope that you reach out and provide the information so that we can, I can advertise it as, you know, an additional resource for mothers that may need it within the Chicagoland area. Thank you. You're welcome. And so to kind of dig deeper into the conversation, can you just explain like the types of mood and anxiety disorders that pregnant women and mothers tend to experience during the perinatal and then the postpartum phases? Yes. So um, I just to start it off, I personally dealt, dealt with PMAD. I had a postpartum disorder um, after I had my first son and my second son. It was the same one, but it just carried over. I had postpartum OCD, which was very foreign to me because growing up, all we heard about was postpartum depression. And you would think that that's the only postpartum um, mental disorder Mm -hmm. that women deal with because they don't really talk. It's not talked much about, but there are um, a lot of different ones. There's postpartum depression, antipartum anxiety and depression, postpartum psychosis, postpartum OCD, postpartum bipolar disorder, postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder, and postpartum anxiety. And then there's also baby blues, which is not to be um, mistaken for um, postpartum depression. Baby blues only last two weeks. So if any of those feelings that you experience from baby blues last longer than that, then you went over to postpartum depression. So baby blues is kind of, it's similar to postpartum depression, but the symptoms just doesn't last as long? Yes. Yeah, they, okay. they only last two weeks. And um, the symptoms are like mood swings, anxiety, sadness, irritability, um, feeling overwhelmed, crying, concentration issues, appetite problems, mm-hmm. and trouble sleeping. And then when you go over to postpartum depression, those are when the symptoms are more severe and they last longer. Um, and it interferes with your ability to take care of yourself, um, you know, as well as your baby. So can you explain a bit more about the postpartum OCD that you experienced, as well as the psychosis and the PTSD? Because I think those are some that a lot of people um, don't tend to be most familiar with. Yes. So the postpartum OCD, I had never knew that anything like that existed. Um, and so for me, how it showed about was, Oh, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, checking the baby every five minutes to make sure he's still breathing, you know, or um, moving him to make sure I can feel his chest breathe, you know, move up and down. Um, I couldn't concentrate. I was very irritable. Um, I had mood swings. I isolated myself from everybody too because I didn't know what was going on, and I'd rather just be by myself. Um, and then the OCD part really came in with intrusive thoughts. And so um, intrusive thoughts are thoughts that cause distress and that you get over and over again, things that you don't want to think about because you know that's something that you would never do, but they're just popping up in your head and you can't control it. 
Um, so some examples of intrusive thoughts, like for an example, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Like I haven't experienced this particular one, but this was an example my therapist gave me before. Um, some people go to the red line, you're waiting for the train to come. You're just like, oh man, maybe I should jump off. Right. It's just like, you're like, oh, that's a crazy thought that just went through my head. But um, intrusive thoughts. And this is the first time I'm actually sharing my personal um, intrusive thoughts because they are are distressing and they were very hard for me to deal with. But my thoughts would be like, um, you should throw your baby into the wall or um, you should drive off the bridge. Um, It was just a lot of different things like that scare me that I would not do. And I think they were also intensified by my fears. Mm. Um, and that just made it even worse for me because I'm, I'm scared. Um, I'm scared of a lot of the things that my mind is telling me to do. Like I'm terrified of water. I'm terrified of bridges because I can't swim. And so when I would get those thoughts to drive off, it would make me even more scared. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no, just because you have these intuitive thoughts doesn't mean you're going to um, act on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, majority of the women do not but these are just thoughts that cause really bad emotional distress and I'm glad we're, we're having this conversation and I appreciate you sharing your experience with dealing with postpartum OCD because um, a lot of women may not know a lot of the mood and anxiety disorder specifically black women and so I'm constantly trying to bring awareness to just a lot of things that we face within our communities and the things that we can do to get the help that we need. And um, I was reading something online and it stated that 10 to 15% of women experience depression and or anxiety, like either during or after pregnancy. And, you know, I know that I've never been a mother. I don't have any children yet. I've never been pregnant. And so, um, but I do know that a lot of women, when they deal with things, they feel alone as if they have no one to relate to. And so this is something that is extremely common uh, worldwide. And so I'm hoping that those of you who are listening, um, that you're able to find some source of encouragement and you're able to even um, find some information or some tools that you can utilize to help you get through this. And yes, they're very common. Um, so like you were saying, one in seven women experience a mood and anxiety disorder during pregnancy or after. And then one in three Black women experience mood and anxiety disorder during pregnancy and after birth. And so it's very common, but it's not talked about. And not only is it not talked about, many women, many Black women don't seek treatment. And um, and so... And it might seem contradictory because many, um, a lot of Black women seek treatment for, for mental health. But when it comes to the after pregnancy disorders, many don't because they feel I have to be strong. That's where that strong Black women syndrome mm-hmm. comes in. Mm-hmm. I just got to push through and keep going. And that makes um, Black women even more of a high risk if they're operating in that capacity. Like no one else is going to get it done. So I have to get it done. And so they can't really focus on themselves and they're focusing on fixing everything else around them. So do you know scientifically what causes those mood and anxiety disorders? So it's not necessary. No, not scientifically as far as the, well, I know it's the brain chemistry, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, serotonin levels, the different, the different things like that. Um, The hormones can be off balance, which could be one of the things that, that can cause these disorders. Um, But completely to know for sure, no. Okay. But I know like sleep deprivation affects it. The temperament of your baby, 
um, financial stress, like mm-hmm. outside triggers, um, lack of support, losing a baby, um, previous trauma or abuse, you know, moving, gender discrimination, job stress, wow. um, history of infertility or um, multiple, you know, um, perinatal losses um, and trauma. So a lot of these outside forces affect us okay. developing these disorders too. And I think I always assumed that it would be that it was mainly associated with like hormonal imbalances or chemical imbalances in the brain. But it's interesting to hear that there are a lot of outside factors that can mm-hmm. contribute to mood and anxiety disorders for um, for mothers as well. Yeah, because we don't really think about that, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like life must go on. Right. So yeah. we have to still push through through all these different things and not realizing how they do truly affect us. And you mentioned, you know, that a lot of women, Black women specifically, don't seek treatment when dealing with mood and anxiety disorders um, when they're pregnant or after they've just given birth because of, you know, I guess you could say that that sense of pride. And so what are some potential concerns um, of these conditions if they're left untreated? Like, yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's a good question. So worsening symptoms. Um worsening diagnoses for yourself because you can only operate like that for so long you know and it's going to start to truly affect you um in ways that are going to come out so it's going to affect your relationships with other people and more specifically the relationship you have with your child it's going to affect your parenting style you know your bonding with the child um many women who suffer with perinatal anxiety disorders so there's four different parenting styles right um there is authoritative authoritarian permissive and uninvolved authoritarian um that is the most strict right and it comes from you know when parents not all but some of the uh women who experience perinatal uh, mood and anxiety disorders they have a lot of anxiety and so they want to control things you know to keep the child from harming themselves or to make sure the child is safe and that just everything goes according to how the mother thinks they should. And then they create an authoritarian um, household, you know, very strict and disciplined and um, not really straightforward, but, you know, one way, my way, right? And then, or on the other end, because the mother is experiencing these symptoms and her sadness and just her, um, isolating herself even inside the home when there's people there maybe the uninvolved parent and he just completely hands off and just go ask your dad or you know whoever else is helping them to raise this kid um so it affects um that um and like I said their relationships with other people significant others friends family and just their mental health altogether, which in return affects their physical health Do you have, um, in what ways have you noticed, even amongst your clients, that it's had an impact? In what ways has, has it had an impact on their physical health? Um, high blood pressure, um, because of the stress of these disorders, um, can create high blood pressure, diabetes, because oftentimes women eat their emotions. 
Mm. And um, so, you know, you're gaining weight, you're becoming obese, you um, put yourself higher risk for diabetes, um, stress. People really do not understand how impactful stress is when it comes to strokes. Um, that is a really big risk, risk factor, you know, on top of the, you know, having high blood pressure and the, the medical part of it, you know, thinning of the, you know, all that stuff, you have stress. And um, I know a couple of women who were very young and healthy uh, outside of the stress and the stress caused them to have a stroke. Um, so stress is the really biggest part of it that affects the physical health because your blood pressure is high when you're stressed. You can sit there all day working and think that nothing's going on, but your body and mind constantly racing and not being able to rest. And the stress plays a huge role in our physical health. And then, like I was saying, the gaining of weight, um, and then you just don't take care of yourself, you know, not going to the, you put your self-care behind. So not going to the dentist like you should, you know, people forget that going to the dentist is a really big thing because it helps to catch um, other disorders that affect our physical health, mm -hmm. gum, you know, gum is just all types of stuff. So it comes down to us if you're not us, but you know, when you're depressed and going through these disorders and dealing with these symptoms, you, the first thing you do is neglect yourself in all areas, except what you have to do to function. I got to eat. I got to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I got to go to work. Right. We do what we got to do. And then what we don't got to do, we don't do. Yeah. Black women, we're good with putting ourselves last. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're doing better as a as a collective, but I still think we have a lot of work to do. We do. And I, I love the push that we have now mm -hmm. around self-care, around putting yourself first, mm -hmm. around being selfish with you. You know, it, I think it's very important. I hope it's not just a fad. I hope it's something that continues to, to grow and people continue to catch on to because, you know, not only is it needed as a, as a woman, but as Black women, we really need it because we've always been told, not necessarily told, but taught from generation to generation, like you make sure everyone else is good and then you attend to your needs. And that's not directly taught, but you see it. Mm -hmm. And that's so you true. think that's how you're supposed to be. Yep. And then I'm sorry, you had a, you had a question earlier. Um, I had just wanted to go back to her really quick about sure. postpartum. Um, postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. and so um normally when you think of PTSD you think of um military um you think yeah you really think of military right real yeah real that's one of the first things that come to mind yep and um but really uh I did a, a training a couple of years ago at a church in the community about postpartum and how it affects our kids and us like you're affected by postpartum, um, I mean, post-traumatic stress disorder, simply living in Chicago and being privy to the crime, like being involved in being in the middle of a shootout, you know, or your block getting shot up, you're okay, but you know, you hear all these bullets or a bullet in flew to your house, like that can cause you to have PTSD. And so when it comes to pregnancy, the same thing, um, you experience trauma in your pregnancy. And I think a lot of women don't look at it like that. When you have an unplanned C-section, that's a trauma. You know, um, your baby going to the NICU, 
or um, them extracting your baby with the forceps or the vacuum extractor um, or prolapse, prolapse cord. So it's a couple of different, you know, ways having a baby can make it very traumatic for you. Can you go back to, you said a prolapse cord? Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that is? So the prolapse cord is when the um, cord comes out before the baby. Mm. And this can be um, not when you're due, but maybe when, you know, prior to like that can make the baby premature. And um, but but yeah, that's what it is. The prolapse cord is when the cord comes out and it's very dangerous. I never knew that. But those are all traumatic events. You know, having a baby three months early, two months early, being in the NICU every day, them having these different issues, it's up and down, you not knowing what the next day is going to bring. Mm -hmm. That's trauma, but no one looks at it like it's trauma. Yeah. And you feel powerless, you know. Um, some women don't have the support they need through that either. And then if the woman has experienced pre previous trauma, even prior to birth, such as um, rape or sexual abuse, they're at a higher risk of experiencing postpartum um, PTSD. Mm. And then also losing a child. That's trauma. Yeah, You can get PTSD from, from losing a child, um, having a miscarriage. And then especially if you're, you know, a woman who has to go through multiple losses you know, before she finally gets her one. And then I've watched a couple of women's journey, how those multiple losses affected them being able to be present and happy about the pregnancy that's working so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot mm -hmm. to, and so with mood and anxiety disorders, what can or what does that recovery and healing process look like? It definitely depends on the woman, mm -hmm. um, but it's self-care. It's having the right support system in place, mm -hmm. um, which some of us are not lucky enough to have, right? And I get that everyone won't have the support that they need to be able to, to get through these things, but finding the support and developing it for yourself. So if you don't have the support of your significant other, of your family, um, or even friends, finding a support system that works for you which could be a postpartum support group. Um, there, there's a website that I used to go on. Um, I went to a support group for um, postpartum OCD and intrusive thoughts, but they have a lot of different um, postpartum support groups weekly online. Um, they do it via, I think it's via Zoom as well. And um, it's PSI, it stands for Postpartum um, Support International. And they have a lot of different support groups. Um, it's www.postpartum.net. Now, um, do they have um, do they have support groups for the other types of mood and anxiety disorders? Or do yes, they just, okay, nope, all the different types. Okay, yeah. And you said it's www.postpartum.net. Yes. Okay. But uh, but yeah, creating that support system for yourself, even though it's going to be hard, um, giving yourself grace because you're going to be taking it day by day. You know, you're not going to, you're going to have your mood swings throughout the day. You're going to wake up one day energized and the next day is going to be a fight to get one foot out the bed, you know, so just being patient with yourself um, and leaning on others when you can and, and being okay with not, being okay with not being okay and not having it all together and being okay with not experiencing motherhood like your best friend did. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. what your sister did because everyone's journey is different. Yeah. So the try not to compare your experience mm-hmm. to someone else's. And it's hard. I know it's yeah. hard because you see, especially now with social media, you know, and really people make parent uh, parenthood look like it's so easy and the, you're just in love with your baby after the fact. And that's not the case for a lot of women. You know, some women have a hard time even developing that bond after birth. And, mm-hmm. and no one, some women don't fall immediately in love with their kid like some women do. And a lot of people who post on social media and, you know, they may try to portray this um, this perception of, I guess, perfection. Yeah. It doesn't capture a lot of those tough moments no nope. and so that's and it's also so a reminder yeah and mm-hmm. especially for women who look at that and I, I don't want to say it's misleading because we're allowed to post the good on Facebook if mm-hmm. you know on social media if we want and not our bad right we're allowed to do that um you know some people don't want to let people in on what the bad looks like for them but we just cannot compare ourselves to other people's situations because we have no idea what they may be going through too and they just make it look pretty and it could be really ugly for them behind the scenes, but this is what keeps them going. Mm-hmm. Are there any other self-care practices that you can um, recommend or suggest to women? Um, yes. So uh, one of the things I learned, um, being able to enjoy things that you used to before. Mm-hmm. So if that's taking a bath by yourself for an hour, 30 minutes, like, you know, soaking, music, anything to help you reset um taking walks by yourself like I know we have to be mommy 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 but you have to have your alone time you really have to carve out that time to do something just for you each day even if it's getting back on your face routine right Mm -hmm. I know some woman who's crazy about their face routine it takes them a good 30 minutes to do that and they enjoy it because it's relaxing Mm -hmm. you know finding that time to care just for you we cannot make it about our babies 24-7. And I really had to learn that the hard way because I thought when I became a mom, it was supposed to revolve around my kids. And when I had my first son, it really did. Like I made everything about him. Like I had a hard time going to go use the bathroom without him. Wow. I felt like I was supposed to have him at all times. And whatever I needed to do, I just needed to really figure out how that was going to fit in with him. Um, and so it's just, it's really important to care for you and not lose sight of who you is, who you are, because that's really easy to do too. When we become mom, our identity is no longer us. It's now a mom. And we think that's all we are to identify with, but you were still Yana before you became a mom and you're still going to be Yana. Um, mom is just one title you have. So you really have to remember to make yourself a priority. And what self-care looks like for you will be different from what it looked like for me. For me, self-care is meditation. I love I love meditation. It really helps me to start my day. It helps me to start with a clear mind. Um, and it really does help me to relax. I love taking baths with music and candles. I've loved that since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of my self-care. I love taking walks by myself. I love going out to eat um, at least once a month with just me. You know, so um, it's important that whatever your self-care looks like for you, that you're able to do it daily. Pick something to do from your self-care list daily just for you. So how did you break free from that? Was it just through being intentional? 
did you like somebody have to check you like how did you break free from there like okay I matter you know, too I'm gonna make time for myself nobody checked me and I think it's because everyone thought I had it together because I was also one of those ones who was this strong black woman and I just needed to be strong all the time and so mm -hmm. some of my friends really thought I was okay I had a few friends who didn't but um most people in my life thought I was fine. And so what it took for me, um, one day I I was struggling like with the intrusive thoughts and with the anxiety. So for me, anxiety affects people in different ways. For me, it completely affects my concentration. Like if I'm experiencing anxiety, I cannot complete anything I set out to do that day. Like, and I couldn't, one day I couldn't finish anything at work. Like it took me forever to try and write one note like all day literally and I still couldn't finish it and I would be shaking my legs like crazy and I'm like lord I really need help I need to get it under control and so I ended up going to therapy and um my doctor was Dr. Francis I don't mind sharing her name she Dr. Jennifer Francis um she let me know like she was the first person to tell me that even though I went to even though I'm a therapist right and even though I went to school you still have your own thoughts around things. I felt like I was the only one going through this because one, I had never heard of PMAD and I had never met another woman um, that experienced postpartum OCD or any anything that I was going through related to pregnancy. And um, she gave me a lot of different things to look at and understand that I wasn't alone. It was very common and I really had to be able to accept that and then for me it was really hard because I felt like as a therapist I should be able to work all this out by myself which was very unlogical um irrational because it's not true even if you are a therapist you still need help from other therapists to kind of keep it together you know when you need to and um but my therapist was the one who kind of brought me out of it and for some people mm -hmm. I'm sorry go ahead no go ahead um, for some people, it can be their therapist. For some people, it can be their best friend. You know, one of my best friends let me know, Gianna, we were talking one day and she was like, I don't think you're okay. And you're not the you that you used to be. And I need you to find her again. And that hurt me, like not in a bad way, but I was like, man, like it really like pushed it in my face. Like, dang, somebody else see it. Mm -hmm. But I was already in therapy at that point. But it was like, man, nobody, because no one, and I think it's because people do think I'm very strong. Um, I've only had maybe two friends who actually could see through everything that I wasn't okay. And I don't know if that means like I'm a really good pretender at some point, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so for some people, maybe they're friends that can point it out to them mm -hmm. or the symptoms they experience forces them to go and get the help. Um, and then their therapist is able to walk them through it. Yeah, I think sometimes those like either family members or friends, I think a lot of times we may feel like we're good at disguising mm -hmm. some things, but sometimes I feel like those who are closest to you or some of those who know you well, like they can pick up on stuff even when you think you're, yeah. you're good at disguising it. And I would say too, like for people's support system, even, even um, say that to them, like, look, if at any time you feel like I'm not me or you're noticing something, please tell me because I may not see it. 
And, um, and some people don't know how to approach their loved ones with that. So letting people know that you're open for it. Yeah. Some people don't want that level of accountability either, though. True. Very true. Yeah. Some people really struggle with that. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Or some people just really get offended by that. Um, so I think that's another level of, um, I think, just like growth and maturity, just to be able to go to someone that you trust. Like, if you see me... Yeah acting a fool like hold me accountable if I'm not myself or you know yeah um it's sometimes a hard position to put yourself in mm-hmm. it's vulnerable yeah and nobody wants to be vulnerable because being vulnerable is scary yep and you don't know how people are going to react to it and that was the hardest thing for me with confiding in people about my um postpartum OCD and intrusive thoughts was you don't know how people are going to react to that you know mm-hmm. um and that stigma in the black community about someone calling you crazy is serious you know you don't want anybody to think of you as being crazy or call you crazy and so being vulnerable is a really scary thing because that's the first thing you jump to that's real so are there any other resources that women can utilize for those that don't have a support system um i know you mentioned the postpartum website um therapy is another option are there any others that come to mind um, not that I know specifically, but I would say there's a lot of different, um, you can reach out to doulas, um, because they often have mom groups, um, together. So mm-hmm. I know Chicago have, um, the Chicago doula, is it the Chicago doula Alliance. Oh, I should know that name by heart. <laughs> they have a, uh, they have a black Chicago doula Alliance as well. And, um, a lot of them have mom meetups, mom groups, so that you can kind of get support within there, um, being around other moms. Um, support groups through the community too, not just through PSI. So mm-hmm. um, some churches do support groups. I'll try to um, put together a list that I can give you that you can put um, as well, if you okay. want to put it in your notes. Um, so I'll, I'll do that. And just to confirm, what type of doula are you? Are you a postpartum doula? No, not a postpartum doula. Okay. I haven't did the postpartum training yet. Okay. Oh, just the, just the regular doula um, for now, but I am going to be doing training for the postpartum doula too. Okay. Okay, great. And so before we wrap this conversation up, I just wanted to ask one last question that I asked all of my guests. What is your favorite self-care act or self-care mantra? My favorite self-care act is a bubble bath with Mm -hmm. Epsom salt, um, my Bath and Body Works candles, and my music playing. That is my all-time favorite. Sounds like a good time. (laughs) <laughs> get you a glass of wine get you a good bath pillow see I haven't did it with the wine yet but I do got the bath pillow <laughs> that I lay back on but I haven't did it with the wine yet so I said I'll probably try it mm-hmm. they got these bath caddies on Amazon where you can lay your phone up there you can lay your candle you can either put you a cup of tea or a glass of wine it's like a little wooden caddy and you just lay everything in front of you with your pillow like it's 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 everything I'm going to get me one it's on Amazon everything on Amazon <laughs> but it's amazing <laughs> So is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap it up? I just want to say, if you are a mother experiencing PMAT or think you're experiencing PMAT, it's okay. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, It's nothing to be scared of. Um, If you're aware of it, you know, get the support that you need. And I know that we sometimes can't get it through our family, but we can create our own support system too. 
And so just don't be afraid to reach out for any help that you need. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today and just having this conversation with me. Um, and for those of you who are listening, if you are enjoying this podcast so far, feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Also, if you have any suggestions on any topics that you would like to hear as it relates to self-care, feel free to email me at info at imperfectlybeautiful.me, and I will talk to you all next time.